resurrection, assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Thank you, church. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. <laughs> this morning, we are going to dig into the psalm for today. Usually, we do the psalm right before prayer. Uh, psalm 78 is our psalm for today. We're not going to read the whole thing. It's pretty long. But I do encourage you to go home and read it today or sometime this week. Before we dive in, I want to talk a little bit about what a psalm is. The Bible is a book of books. Kids, kids, look at me. Say the Bible is a book of books. All right, now say there's 66 books in the whole Bible. Each one a special part. And I learned this song, and it didn't take long till I learned them all by heart. Oh, 66 books by heart. Did anyone else have to learn that song? That's the one I learned when I was uh, in Stars, and I, it didn't take long till I learned them all by heart. So, um, 66 books of the of uh, 66 books in the whole Bible. The books range in genre. Some are history books, some are poetry books, some are prophetic, some are biographical, some are letters, some are wisdom. None of these are just books of poems and just books of history. They are the sacred writings breathed by the Spirit of God that we might know the Lord who made us. Psalms is a special book. It's poetic. The Psalms are meant to be sung, sung like Emily's going to sing today after church. But the Psalms are also historical. Sometimes they're songs of remembrance, that remind us of our history. The Psalms are also prophetic. They point to the king and to his coming kingdom. But all of these Psalms, in all of these different things, are beauty. They are sung in the beauty of poetry and song. So as we dive into this, Hear Psalm 78 like it's a tune, calling us to remembrance. Take in the beauty with just enough words to paint a beautiful picture. May we grow in spirit, in wisdom, and in truth as we take our time with this psalm this morning. So open with me to Psalm 78. We're going to jump around because, as I said, it's quite long. Starting in verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. 
things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites armed with the bow turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders. In the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan, he divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the water stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. We're going to move ahead to verse 32. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. In verse 37, their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet, He, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. Let's pray. Father, grant us eyes to see and ears to hear what your spirit is revealing in your church. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, all honor and glory belong to you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This psalm is a song of remembrance and a song of prophetic warning. What does the psalmist say at the very front of the song? Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. In other words, listen, church, hear me, tune in, the psalmist continues. Hear me, church, I'm telling you something deep, something old, a wisdom from the ages, the story we know in our bones. Don't hide those stories from the future generations. Tell the children and those to come the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. Church, if we want to be wise, we will tune our ears in and hear the song. 
We must both remember our story as the people of God. And we must tell our story as the people of God. Because when we forget our story, we lose sight of who we are following. We lose sight of where we are going. And we find ourselves lost and wandering in the wilderness. The psalmist reiterates the point from verses 5 through 8. We must tell our story. We must tell the story of God's good deeds so that the next generation does not lose sight of who we are. So that they might remain on the path of life even as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If it's worth repeating, it's worth listening to. Tell the stories of our God, church. Kids, I need you to do me a favor. Kids, kids, kids. Look at a grown-up next to you. Look at a grown-up. Look them right in the face. And say, tell me the stories of God. Grown-ups, look at the kids around this room. Look them right in the face and tell them, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. All right, that was a good start. So, church, recount his faithfulness. Remember that we serve the God who delivered us from bondage. Interesting note. I'm just going to pause here. Um, Allison didn't know this, but she prayed so many things that end up in this sermon. So take heart that the Spirit is speaking to the church today. Remember that we serve the God who delivered us from bondage, who parted the seas that we might pass through on dry ground to his good kingdom. Remember that even when we wandered, when we hungered, when we thirsted, God rained the bread of angels down from heaven, and he blew the quail into the land, and he made water gush forth from rocks. This is the God we serve, church. The earth belongs to him and the fullness thereof. He is able to do far more than we can ask or even imagine because he is Lord of everything we know. Now, some of you may be saying, this is an old story, the story of Israel. I'm not of Jewish heritage. This can't be my story, too, but I want to dig in here. Again, Allison already preached for me. In two instances, first, recall that story we read earlier where Jesus told the parable of the sons in the vineyard. Jesus makes room in the family of God for those who are called faithful. As the Gentiles began to follow Christ, as the church grew, Paul labored the point that all people could be sons and daughters of Abraham through faith, 
through Christ. Not by bloodline, not by circumcision, but by faith in their maker, their redeemer, our Lord. Now, don't go doing something crazy either, like imagining this is all about the Jews and the, somehow the Gentiles superseded all of Israel as the second son or whatever. No. Paul argues against that line of logic well, too. We've read it in Romans. I'm not going to belabor the points now. What we know is that God is ever inviting people into his family. And we, no matter of our ethnic heritage, as those born anew in the waters of baptism, take up the story of God's people. We are grafted into the vine. We are Israel expanded, which makes us all, uh, which makes all of the biblical story our story because it is God's story and we are God's people. Second, we see this story as our story because not only are we adopted into this family through Christ, but Christ revives this story in his very being. We too passed through waters, escaping the bondage of sin and death, passing through towards the promised land of God's kingdom in our baptism. Every week, we eat the bread of heaven that angels rain down, angels that look an awful lot like Jesse. The bread of heaven which is placed on this tray before us, the body of our Lord, and this table at this table. We too can sing the song of God's merciful compassion because Jesus Christ atoned for our iniquity and we are not destroyed. As Christians, we are called to be sharers of this truth. As Christians, we are called to be the greatest storytellers of our generation. Because we live the greatest story of all. This is our story, church. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is our song, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We serve a faithful God and his deeds are glorious. But church... In spite of all God has done, how often can the refrain of that psalm be said of us? In spite of all this, we sinned. How often do we find ourselves falling into disbelief, so easily, so quickly forgetting the wonders of our God when trouble arises? when hunger strikes, when despair tempts us. 
This is why, as the people of God, we must be in the habit of testifying to his good deeds. This is why, as the people of God, we must make a practice of singing spiritual songs to each other. This is why, as the people of God, we must testify to the goodness of our God in the little things, in the big things, and in everything in between. I've told this story a million times. It's not in my notes, but I'll say it again because I think about it all the time. When I was young, we would do testimony time, and there was a wonderful saint named Sister Edith Hargrave. And Sister Edith Hargrave gave glory to God about everything. And one particular thing that has never left me is the day that she raised her hand during testimony time to give God glory because she stubbed her toe and he is still good. May that be our testimony, guys. God alone is good. We must give him thanks and give him praise for all that he does. Because God alone is our deliverer and our provider, our very present help. He is our manna from heaven. God alone is the one who atones for the sins of his people. God alone is our peace. Every good and perfect gift comes from his hands. That is why God alone is worthy of praise. So church, we are the people of God, and as the people of God, we must remember our story, and we must tell our story. So let me tell you a few stories some of our stories as a church. This church has never been huge. I've been here pretty much my whole life. I've seen every hilltop, maybe not every, but most every hilltop here in every valley, and God has never once lacked in faithfulness to the people who gather beneath this roof. Amen, John? God has provided for his people in numerous and miraculous ways. He's provided coals that don't run out back for widows who only had wood-burning stoves. That is a story from our church. He has provided miraculous freedom from debts, like cars, Remember that one in the back. I've literally seen the blind receive sight at the altars of this church. Casey Martin. We've seen babies born and grown and live who were never expected to survive their mother's wombs. We have seen wombs that were closed, opened, my own included, as you all well know. We've seen families brought together across distances in miraculous ways. 
Andy over here has fallen into fires like I don't know how many times, maybe 30. That's an overstatement. But he's fallen into fires and literally stood up unscathed like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like Jesus is there in the fire pit with him. God has shut the ravenous mouths of lions seeking to devour. He has stayed the hands of wicked men bent on violence against the innocent like he did for Daniel. More than once, the people of this church have had their eyes opened to the host of angels or maybe just one or two that are surrounding us even now. God has humbled the proud like he did for Nebuchadnezzar. God has exalted the lowly like he did for Mary, the mother of Jesus. God has delivered people from demonic oppression. And like I said before already, I have watched God part the baptismal waters over and over again for so many people that they too might pass from the land of death into the land and the life of the triune God. We have seen people fall asleep. But we know that they are only resting. Because just like Lazarus, we will see them when the Lord calls us all from our tombs into his glorious resurrection, into his life, where we will celebrate in the house of Zion forevermore. Church, in my life, in this church, in our history, I have tasted and I have seen the faithfulness of my God. And by his grace, I will never stop telling of his goodness. God is good, church. So today, as you go home, especially you grown-ups in this room, Tell children the true stories of God's faithfulness. Tell them the stories from his word and tell them the stories from your own life. We are called to witness to our God. We owe it to the generations. We have received and now we must give generously. Above everything, Tell the story of Christ, the good news, the ultimate story of God's goodness, his deliverance, his faithfulness, his salvation, and his love for his people. If you don't know how, open up to Philippians 2, just like we read earlier. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father.
Amen. I invite you all to stand with me. Let's feast.